Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Before founding his firm, Chris Hervishan spent 10 years working in forensic accounting and corporate accounting and finance. He has been featured in numerous publications as well as a number of podcasts for his industry-specific knowledge and accounting experience. In 2018, Chris was one of only 41 CPAs honored across the Americas from the America Institute of CPAs as a member of the Leadership Academy's 10th graduating class. He was selected based on his exceptional leadership skills and professional experience for the four-day Leadership Academy program. And again, in 2019, he was also selected as one of CPA practice advisors, 40 under 40. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. So, you know, when we talked before the show, you told me you started off in a different career. Accounting was not your initial career. It was not. I was a golf pro and I did that for about five minutes and that's how I ended up as an accountant. <laughs> but it was certainly a fun experience. It was great while it lasted. It's a very kind of entrepreneurial endeavor, which I guess is how I ended up here. But uh, it was a lot of fun while it lasted, but you know, it was time to move on to bigger and better things. I get it. Do you still golf? It depends on who you ask. If you ask my wife, then the answer would be yes. If you ask me, I would say not so much. <laughs> and my golf game is not nearly not nearly what it used to be, that's for sure. Okay, okay. And what convinced you to go into accounting? That's a great question. Um, I started my accounting journey in high school. And that really didn't go so well. It was like a bookkeeping done by hand type course. And I just, you know, as a 17 year old, I just wasn't really getting it. My dad was an accountant and, you know, that's, I guess, kind of where I got the accounting gene. I knew I wanted to go into business. So when I got into college as somebody who was on a track for a business degree, accounting was one of the I don't know, first courses I took really in that track had a really great accounting professor that really kind of wrapped all of the ideas that I didn't quite grasp in high school to the business world and really kind of put the context around it that that I needed, you know, for me personally to to just see how powerful and how interesting accounting was. And from there, it was, you know, it was easy. I thought I wanted to go into finance. You know, my dad told me, hey, look, you can do anything with an accounting degree that you can do with a finance degree and then some. So accounting is a good way to go. So he talked me into it a little bit, but, you know, I loved it in college. And from there, it was just, you know, kind of an easy thing for me to decide on. Okay. And when did you found your company? We started as a side hustle in 2011, which is the same year that I got my CPA license. Okay. It grew um, from a side hustle as I had other full-time jobs to what it is now. Uh, In 2018, I went out on my own doing it full-time and um, haven't looked back since. Perfect. Now, you focus on uh, recurring revenue models for your small business owners, which I think is fascinating. You know, we've had some accountants on the show before. We've talked about forecasting and metrics and all those things are important. Um, but you're talking about recurring revenue models, which I know our listeners are going to be exceptionally 
um, interested in. So how did that evolve? Really almost out of necessity, I think. Um, and it really kind of evolved from how I view my own practice. So my first job as an accountant was in forensic accounting, where we tracked every minute of every day, whether it was billable, non-billable in 10th of an hour increments, which is six minutes. And that, I mean, it's difficult. It's, that's a difficult way to bill because it, it, you know, for one thing, it puts you at odds with your client because the more that you build them, the more money that you make, but you know, you're not necessarily finding a better or more efficient way to do their work for them. So you're, you're automatically at odds, right? So, you know, just through reading and talking to other industry experts and talking about value-based billing, which is kind of morphed into, you know, subscription-based product and service offerings and, and things like that. And just the explosion of subscription-based products, just, I think, across all industries. That's kind of where my thinking has has morphed. Um, and it's a little bit out of necessity, I think, because number one, one of the things that we find with small business owners is just the difficulty in managing cash flow, the difficulty in managing work, always feel like you're putting out fires because you've got one project there for the other. And when it's solely project-based work, you have to basically take it when you can get it. You know, um, you can't, it's, it's hard to say no because you don't know when the next project is coming down the pipeline in a lot of different cases. So if you can flatten that out, if you can provide a better experience for your customers, if you can take your product or your service and try to move it into more of a subscription-based um, offering, number one, it smooths out your work. It gives you more visibility into what's coming down the pike as far as revenue and cash flow, and it just helps you manage the business that much better. You know, that's interesting because we I did a podcast with an attorney in my first season called Legal Poverty, and he spoke about the attorney business model the same way you just spoke about the CPA business model. It's, you know, you put for them, it was a retainer, and then you chunk away from that retainer billing hourly or in whatever increments for the service. So people are prone to not seek that professional advice you know, to keep their bill and expenses low. And he's, he had done the same thing and created that value-based model where it's a subscription, you know, and defining the services that are in it. So I applaud you for doing that. That's pretty incredible. So tell me about some of the, um, (laughs) tell me about some of the subscription or, you know, recurring revenue models that you recommend to clients. And maybe if you can give me an example, obviously, without telling me, business name or owner, but, you know, type of business and how you would advise them? Yeah, that's a great question. One of the first questions I always ask is what can you guarantee? And what can you guarantee that's not necessarily going to put a huge burden on the business? A great example is I can guarantee to my clients that I will respond to them in 24 hours, or I can guarantee that we'll respond to you inside of whatever, a week, or that we'll get whatever project done. So that's one way to increase the fee. Providing ongoing service, that's an easy way. So I will answer your questions and I'm not gonna bill you for picking up the phone and you're not attempting a conversation, I'm not gonna send you a bill for 0.2 hours, right? That's a great example. A great example in the HVAC industry is maintenance agreements. So something that the client pays every single month, you may or may not go service them, but you're still getting that recurring revenue. And you know, you just realize that at some point in the future, they are going to have some sort of a maintenance need. That's a great example. In the industry that we serve a lot, 
which is the marketing creative industry, website maintenance. That's a, instead of just building that website and delivering it and saying, we're done, you know, congratulations, here's your website, building in the maintenance and the hosting so that you have a recurring revenue model so that when that client has a change that they want to make to their website, they just, they can just come to you and, and feel like it's already covered. So those types of things, just figuring out how you can break up your, your service or your product offering into chunks so that you're staying top of mind with the customer throughout the course of the year. And that also that you're having touch points throughout the course of the year. And then also realize that there are going to be some clients where they're going to utilize your services more heavily in some periods of time and then not in others. And just realize it's more of an insurance model, really, where you're going to have periods of heavy utilization, periods of no utilization that over the broad spectrum of your client base, it's going to work out. Right. It doesn't have to work out in every month for every single client, but on the whole, over the long term, over the entire spectrum of your clients, it's going to work out. I, I, I understand that we build websites and we have some website maintenance agreements. And one in particular comes to mind where it's like it about killed us the first couple of months with the amount of requests that were coming in. But then you're absolutely correct. It completely leveled out after that. So, you know, it, it is a good business model. You just have to understand that sometimes your, your initial output is going to be more. So, <clears throat> so then do you advise your clients to create a term for that agreement? I mean, because obviously, you know, if we did it month to month and he only did those first two months, we'd be in the hole. That, that's a great point. So generally what you see across industries, and it's fairly consistent, is in the first, say, 90 days, your utilization by that client is going to be, is going to be high relative to what it's going to be throughout the course of you know, the, the lifetime of the engagement. If you've got services that you provide where you provide them during a certain time of the year, like a great example I'll give you is, is accounting. So during the course of the year, like we're definitely going to do a tax return sometime in the spring. <clears throat> and that's going to be a heavily utilization period for us for whatever client that we're doing a tax return for. So you don't want to put yourself in a situation where we're now breaking that tax return up into monthly payments along with some sort of, you know, support arrangement where, you know, we'll provide support, tax planning, answer questions, that sort of thing. And then they can just file the tax return. They've only paid us for one month of service and then they quit. So what you want to do is you want to, depending on what your business looks like and what services you're offering, you want to structure it so that more likely than not, you're going to capture a year's worth of value, which is how you're going to price it and still capture that utilization period where it's going to be low and where it's going to be high, if that makes sense. Yep, it does. So don't put yourself in a situation where they can, you know, just, you can onboard them, they can quit inside of 30 days and you're going to be, you're going to be out. Now that's probably not going to happen. You know, you're going to provide a great, a great product or a great service. So they're going to want to stick with you, but you need to make sure that your scope of work or master services agreement, engagement letter, whatever it is that you call it contract, that it, it covers those specific examples. Okay. And how far do you go with advising your clients? Do you help them with pricing for whatever this recurring revenue model is that they're considering? Absolutely. And we usually say that you should have three different service tiers. Okay. Always three service tiers. And yeah, or so that, you know, you give your clients an option of what level of service that they want from you. And you also give them an option of upgrading, downgrading that gets around some of that question of we use your service for a month and now we're going to offboard ourselves, you know, thanks. (laughs) And you kind of lose out because then, you know, they have that option of downgrading, you know, some point down the line, if that, if that makes sense for your business model. 
So okay. we advise on the tiers. We advise on what should go into the tiers. We help our clients think about what should be included. What are the things that you can guarantee? What are the things that you can offer that are a value add to the to the client, but aren't necessarily going to be a huge lift for your business? What are the things that you can standardize and have some sort of a model, you know, standard operating procedure for that sort of thing? And then, you know, we think about from there, you know, how many of these subscriptions can we sell given the current business size, given the utilization of employees, what does that look like from a cost structure? If we have these three different tiers at these three different prices and we have this utilization, meaning you know, employees and software and things like that in the business, are we still going to be profitable? What does that look like from a cash flow perspective? Does that fit the owner's expectations? We work through all those questions, but that those are generally the places where we start. So starting by what can you guarantee then you help them build the cost model, cash flow projections, and forecasting. That's what it sounded like to me. Is that correct? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> What's the most interesting, unique recurring revenue model that you've assisted with or seen? Maybe it may not even be something that you specifically did. The most unique? We've got some agencies that are operating on on these recurring revenue type models they're all they're all very different because they all do very different things we've got one that's offering subscription based services around design and like the number of designs that they'll do for various different types of products and they've really taken that and run with that and turned that into a subscription based business which is really cool that that was one of those situations where we really had to think about like in reality, how many designs can you do for for a client in a month? How much of it is worthwhile? And then really fit that into what that pricing model needs to look like and really be realistic. So that was a great conversation that we had and, and we had a lot of fun crunching those numbers, but that's probably the most unique, I would say, is somebody doing it in the design realm. We see a lot in the web space, which I guess doesn't necessarily qualify as unique because we see it a lot. So the design space, definitely. I've actually seen that once and it surprised me to be perfectly honest with you. I was like, how can they even figure that? And there seemed <laughs> incredibly priced, but I was like, hmm, interesting. So yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, so what other industries do you work with besides, I, I know you mentioned marketing. What other industries do you work with? What's your sweet spots? Sure. So we're probably at this point about 80% marketing and creative agencies, about another 15% or so are in the trades. So HVAC companies, gutter companies, construction companies, that sort of thing. And we've got another 5% that I would say are pet projects. Friends with startups that range in all sorts of different industries who are just fun to work with and, and, and that sort of thing. But our, our primary focus is really marketing and creative agencies. And I, I noticed that <clears throat> because we get work coming in for this too, is to a lot of businesses, you know, given that we've just come through a pandemic and there's been huge technology shifts, a lot of companies are going towards, hey, I want to put my courses online. And so we've had an influx of people like, can you help us with this? Because, you know, we know the content, but we need help getting it onto these, these you know, these places. What do you think about that? Courses, I think courses are a great way to get content out there, to brand yourself, um, to position yourself as an expert. And if you can do it well, that's a, another great example of a recurring revenue model, but also one that is a feeder into hopefully 
larger projects, more profitable projects and things like that. And it's definitely something that scales very easily. So um, I think, you know, online courses are great. I know there's a lot of upfront work and expense to creating courses that I think some businesses don't think through. What would be your number one piece of advice for, say, a company that wanted to do courses and they're just starting this process? I would say make sure that your content answers the questions that are most frequently going to come into you and be basically time sucks. The things that you don't necessarily get paid for that you're not necessarily profitable on that you're helping with that somebody really could probably DIY and every business has those, right? Really make it an introductory product so that you give them enough to answer their questions if they're really going to be on the low end and that's really just all they need or that you demonstrate that this is a bigger problem and that you probably need help. And then you kind of move them up your value ladder. That's probably the biggest thing. I've seen courses that are very highly produced. I've seen courses that are not very highly produced. I've seen both of them be successful. It's just a really a, a matter of how you position it and the content that's in there and whether or not it's, it's good, right? And then how you structure that inside of your value ladder. Okay, perfect. Well, Chris, I thank you for your time. Is there anything else you'd like to leave our audience with, you know, thoughts on how to create the best revenue models before you before we we sign off here? Yeah. So if you don't mind, I would just like to mention that we've got a fairly new ebook that's out there that is out there. It's called Scaling the Data-Driven Agency. And it basically just walks you through how to take the data that is in your business and to make you more profitable and to streamline your operation. So that's a great read. It's very digestible and it's free. So betterwaycpa.com slash data-driven agency is the website. And that's pretty much it. Okay. If you could repeat that for me and slower so that our listeners can grab that. Yeah, absolutely. So the website is betterwaycpa.com slash data-driven agency. And it is a free ebook that basically walks through the steps of how to take the data that is in your business and to make you more profitable and to help you scale. Perfect. So betterwaycpa.com slash data-driven agency. That's right. Perfect. Chris, I really appreciate you being on the show today. You've given some valuable nuggets for our listeners to think about in ways that they can scale their company with recurring revenue models. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, Creating a Thriving Space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.